Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back, you guys. Today we are going to be talking about some games that have been really piquing our interest lately. We touched on them a little bit in the last episode, but we really want to dive into them some more. As you all know, or I'm sure you're aware of, if you are into gaming, right now is like there's so many games out right now like amazing titles to pick up but me and chris have kind of been focusing on two very specific titles and we both said that we were going to make it a point to try and not purchase the other game so that we can you know each of us have our experience with it talk about it and then maybe trade off sometime later in the future to kind of see where our you know our interests are later on but the two games that we are going to be talking about today are elden ring and triangle strategy two very completely different games i would say both on opposite sides of the spectrum but amazing titles on their own both of them like they are really like i would say i'm hooked with triangle strategy i don't know about you with elden ring i know you put in some hours but yeah these games are like revolutionary i would say like they are really showing off what this generation of games can be and just showing off what games can do now like there's so much stuff to dive into but i i feel like that's what this episode is gonna be it's just gonna be like a love letter to these two games honestly and you know we can try and pick them apart a little bit and since neither one or there's tight like I don't know much about Elden Ring and you've been kind of staying away from triangle strategy. So I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of see where our our initial reactions are to the opposing games. Right. Mm -hmm. And then kind of like go from there. So I figured, why don't we start off with what is your view on triangle strategy without playing it? Like, I know you've been looking into it. You've heard me rant about it for way too long (laughs) and you've heard some other people talking about it, but what do you think about triangle strategy from an outside perspective, someone who hasn't played it yet? I I mean, I played the demo and I was interested from the moment I heard about it. Like I remember, I think it was during a direct. Yeah. Oh, obviously it's a direct it's Nintendo. Um, and I was like, what is this? Like, this looks amazing and I really want to play it because I thought maybe it played in the same world as Final Fantasy Tactics. So I got really hyped about it. Once I found out it was its own thing, I was like, well, this could be cool. I mean, I'm a person that loves like dialogue choices that affect the story. And I mean, this game obviously does that in a very full effect, but I, it's a game I really want to play. You know, and because I feel like Square Enix hasn't done a tactics game in a very long time, or at least one that's done well. I know that there was just, uh, during the state of play today, they unveiled another strategy RPG that doesn't, ha- it, it's not completely a tactics grid based like mm. triangle, but it's kind of like a, you move your unit, it stops time for a second. Like it's it's a different kind of strategy. And I'm like, oh, maybe maybe Square Enix is getting back into their strategy games. Like what was that? I love that these kind gun of games. game that like war one that did that. Do you remember that one? Front mission? 
and maybe it was front mission it was like anime kind of graphics and you can mm. like it was like actual like war zone oh um valkyrie like, chronicles yeah, that's the one yeah that yeah. one was interesting is it um, kind of like that i haven't seen the footage for this one no this one is called diofield chronicle which is kind of a ridiculous name just like triangle strategy well, triangle strategy is no bad yeah i was gonna say it was like that's a horrible name um honestly and the, it's weird the graphics to it look kind of weird it it feels like it's i don't know maybe a ds game or a ps3 game the way the graphics look which i mean i'm not knocking it right graphics don't always mean everything mm -hmm. but it's different you know it's not the same as a tactics game it's more i can't really think of a game similar to it because it's like say i mean it kind of is like the valkyrie chronicle but i mean there's no like third person shooter part to it right like this is it's top down it's kind of like an rts but okay. time stops when they engage like you can select what moves they're gonna do like it's to me, it's the answer to people that don't want to sit around and move characters on a grid. Got it. So it's like kind of like, okay, yeah, as so I would say like RTS, but more strategy based. Yeah, it yeah. still has the turns kind of when you come to select it. But yeah, it's it's not like an always moving, no pause kind of RTS. Got it. Makes sense. But yeah, so I've been playing the hell out of Triangle Strategy lately, and this is the first time that I'm actually taking my Switch out of the home. <laughs> like, I haven't had a game where I've really wanted to play this one on the go, and I've been playing it on my lunch breaks. I've been playing it every chance I get because this game is amazing, and I'm almost about, like, the 20-hour mark right now. I, I just absolutely am loving this title. Because there's so much to it. And yes, I would say like it is like the new evolution of Final Fantasy Tactics. It is mm. tactics on steroids. Like the battle system itself, if it was just focused on that, it would be amazing because of the different types of synergies, the different classes that you have available. I mean, hell, there's 30 unlockable characters but the unlockable characters are based on the choices that you make within the game, which is really, really cool to me. I know that a lot of people are probably eventually going to try and, you know, gamify it and really cheat the system to get the characters that they want in the long run. But I'm making it a point to not look at any walkthroughs or any real big information or spoiler stuff to really just play the game through and really try and live with the choices that I make. because. Like I said, the battle system is great, but what really kills this game, what really like sends it above and beyond is the dialogue itself and the story, hmm. right? So this story is amazing. If you like Game of Thrones, then you're going to love this. This is like Empire story, like 100%. It's amazing. It's so, so good. There's espionage there's like people backstabbing each other there's even like minor like slavery and racism issues that are being brought up in this game like there's a lot to this which is really really interesting and it makes it feel so much more real but what really like drives that point home that your choices matter is the conviction system right so whenever you make a choice your convictions they alter and it's an invisible stat that you don't really see 
what that set does actually is it will unlock different characters along your journey. So depending on what choices you make, you're basically creating or molding your main character, Sarah Noah, into who you are as a person, right? Based on your choices. And Mm -hmm. depending on what you choose, certain people will align with that, right? So like if you've be are more utilitarian in nature, then you're going to get characters that are more utility based, right? So it kind of, it narrows in on that, which is really, really interesting. And another thing too, with the choices is that every time there's a big branching off point, they go to this thing called the scales of conviction. And that's whenever the main party of seven actually votes on what path they're going to go on you as a main character don't really like you do have a say in which direction you're going to go because you can try and persuade people one way or another. But what I really like about this game, and it actually happened to me yesterday, which is really interesting, is you can create a valid argument um, based by like by gathering knowledge when you're traveling through towns and things like that. You hear little snippets of what people are saying and you basically bank that information for conversations later. Now, whenever you come to the scales of conviction, you can every time you try and dissuade someone from the choice that they were going to originally make, they go into the undecided window, right? So you don't know where they're going to cast their vote in the end. And most of the time, it did feel as if once they're undecided, they do end up siding with the choice that you were kind of pushing for. But last night, Actually, there was a little dialogue text that popped up above one of my characters right before he casted his vote. And he said, I'm so sorry, my lord, but I cannot follow you with this choice. And he chose against the thing that I was trying to go for. And I was like, oh, shit, that's so cool. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I love that idea because even though it felt like, okay, this was the best argument I could put forward, his convictions did not let him like waver in the choice that he was going to make. So it was really, really interesting the way that dynamic works. And it just felt like you're actually dealing with real people in that situation. So the way the triangle triangle strategy works, and it's kind of where the name comes from, is that the game is actually broken up into three different sections. It's exposition, exploration, and battle. And so you basically go through those in a sequence. So you start with some exposition to get the main story. Then you can maybe explore the town a little bit, find, you know, basic JRPG stuff where like you go into someone's house and there's, you know, oh, $500 laying on the ground. Let me pick this up and just keep it for my own, right? So, but what you're also doing in the in the exploration phase is talking to people and gaining those tidbits of knowledge along the way. So it's it's actually really, really cool. And the leveling system in this game is pretty brilliant. At first, I was like, oh, great. It's kind of like I was a little timid at first because it felt like it was just going to be like normal tactic style leveling up system where, you know, you can have your healer sit in the back and just heal themselves over and over again and just level up. But they actually put a kind of like a level cap or uh, they start hindering your experience gain depending on the level that you're at and who you're facing and what you're actually doing at that time. If you're trying to heal somebody who's already like at max health, 
and isn't really in much danger, you might only get two experience, right? But if you are healing someone who's critical, who actually does end up sometimes, they'll they'll like call for aid if their health falls below a, a certain HP level, then you might get the 100 points of experience to level up your character instantly right there. So it's actually kind of cool the way that this dynamic is working out. But it's not just the leveling system that you can do. You can also level up your weaponry. So like the your basic skills, like the simple stats and like change the weapon you have. And then you can also level up the rank of your characters as well. And all of these things are very hard to come by as far as items to level up your characters, which is a great way to kind of like I would say level gate the game itself to keep it difficult in the long run, right? So you never feel overpowered. So like you can go and grind these things that are called mock battles. So it's like mind battles. But if you keep doing it, you're going to become overleveled. And then all your actions are only going to get you like two experience points. Right. So like it really just does not help you out at all. So like it really wants to make sure that you're at the right level at all times to keep it somewhat difficult. So it's it is really, really cool. And I'll I'll end this at this. So if you guys aren't sold yet on this game, this this really blew my mind, right? So I was faced with a really difficult decision, like I said, that I actually had to like turn the game off for a minute, really think about what I was going to do, like which lords have been kind of on my side or a little bit in the shadows and just really weigh out those decisions. But then it came down to the point of like, okay, there's a massive battle happening. We have these traps set around the city that if I set them off, the battle will be much easier, but it will also destroy all the homes in my town, basically making my villagers like out of home, like it would ruin their livelihood. So I did everything in my power. I never set off a trap. I It took me a few tries to actually get it. I kept losing this battle because it's really, really hard. But I did it without setting off any traps or setting any of the homes on fire and destroying the village. And then at the end, like whenever I got to re-explore the city, there was these kids that I talked to beforehand. And then whenever I talked to them again, they said, oh, my God, thank you so much for, you know, like you did what you said you would. You protected us. You kept us safe. And my favorite toy is now still with me. You know, like a little thing like that, such a small detail. I'm like, this is great. I love this idea that you don't have to actually destroy everything. You can't like it really makes you want to weigh out all the choices because everything leading up to that, everyone was like, okay, like we have to use these traps. Here's the traps, find them. Even in the battle overview, the only thing from that battle was here's where the traps are and this is where the fire is going to spread. So use them wisely. You know, like it never hinted at the fact that you don't have to use them if you don't want to, which I thought was brilliant. But yeah. Like I said, you guys need to check out this game. And if this hasn't sold you on it, like just watch some footage of it. It's gorgeous. If you like Octopath Traveler, it's that same style of graphics. It's beautiful. And ah, God, I'm just, I'm loving it. I love this game. <laughs> well, I guess now it's question time because I have a couple questions about it. Yeah. Um, with, because there's the three different like dialogue choices, right? Mm-hmm. It's like balance or... The, the three um, yeah liberty morality and utility but you don't, don't actually a... know which is which okay because i was gonna say are they color-coded nope. and if they are those like say 
one of those isn't always centered on one kingdom. It's always random, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Which is Ooh. really, really cool. So like every time you get choices that pop up, I'm pretty sure that they're randomizing the order so that you don't learn like, oh, the first one's always liberty. The second one's always morality. The third one's utility. So like you really have to like pay it. You can't just mash through conversations. You have to actually pay attention to what people are saying because sometimes these questions pop up even if they don't have like a little icon above their head. Usually whenever you run into somebody on the map and they have an icon above their head, you know that you're going to have to answer one of their questions with one of these answers, right? Hmm. But sometimes I, I've run into it where it's you're just talking to like a kid and all of a sudden like a question pops up and you're like, oh shit, like what did they say? <laughs> You know, like, because you kind of get into the habit of like, oh, you're nothing, blah, 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 let me just speed through this. And you're like, oh, my God, like, you actually had a real question. And now I have to answer this thing, right? And yeah. like, now I need to think like, okay, not just as a gamer of trying to, you know, get the best possible outcome, because you have no idea what the outcome might be. You're actually thinking about it as the Lord of this land. What would I like? What would you say as the lord of this land during a war to soothe your citizens so that their morality stays high, and then you're not making a choice that's going to, you know, be the downfall of this society? And like you have the backing of your people, but then you're also not pissing off your party. Like there's a lot to this, so like it really makes it feel like a like a real person uh, simulator you know like it's it's really interesting that sounds really cool because that's what i was worried about where it's like you know that one of them is always going to be that answer and so forth because i i fall into that trap in games like this you know like you mm -hmm. look at mass effect and it's like obviously labeled your choice right so it's like for me i'm like okay well I know there's multiple endings, so I'm just going to answer this one way the whole time to see what would happen, you know, like yeah. making it so you can't really predict what it is provides more of an organic story to be told. And I think right. that's really cool, which, you know, it sounds a lot deeper than most other games with these expansive dialogue choices. and um something i have heard about it that i mean it doesn't scare me off but i do get overwhelmed by it sometime is that i heard the cutscenes are really long they are and very they, long yeah i would say so but it's interesting like it's mm -hmm. it's actually necessary the length of the cutscenes okay so like i wouldn't get too turned away by that and like let me give you a actual example of one of the conviction conversations right so this is uh the basically the right hand or the bodyguard of the prince right so the prince is in danger right now and his name's roland and you're talking to that bodyguard and she's nervous she doesn't know what to, to do right now she doesn't know what choice to make next so I want, I'm going to read you the answer that you could potentially give her. And I want you to kind of guess whether it's liberty, utility, or morality. Okay? Mm -hmm. So circumstances aren't as dire as they seem. We only need survive tonight, and then we can seek out allies to rally around Roland. Is that liberty, utility, or morality? Liberty? That's utility. The liberty huh. answer is, could Roland not flee on your hawk? That may be his best chance for survival. 
That sounds more like it'd be a utility, though. Right. So that's how, like, kind of nuanced Damn. these choices are. So you will never know exactly what choice you're making, which for some people that might be a turnoff, right? I totally get that because you're trying mm -hmm. to get the max stats. You want to, you know, I, uh, playing JRPGs all my life, I totally understand that. You want to max out everything. But this is a really nice change because all it will ever say is after you make one of these choices is that Sarah Noda's convictions have changed and in the top corner. That's all it says. It doesn't tell you what, it doesn't tell you how many points you have into what stat or whatever. It just, it's just that, which is super, super cool. Oh, and it actually does randomize the order. So you'll never know which one's which. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of winning me over a little bit more. Like I knew that I would, I would like the game, but, uh, is the class system cool? Like, can you change classes or is each character their own class and they just stay that way? So each character is stuck in their own class, which okay. is fine because it's actually really interesting leveling them up and kind of creating a, a fun party dynamic. There's hmm. no right or wrong answer to the party dynamic, but usually you can take out around nine to 12 people depending on the battle. Okay. So you can have a decent chunk of people out at one, any given time. But if like for instance, one of the classes that I think is freaking amazing is like the the artisan class, right? So mm -hmm. it's a class that I've never actually heard of before. There's a lot of classes in this game that I'm like, I don't know what this is. This is really cool though. Uh so the artisan class actually is able so he was a blacksmith who asked to join the lord to because his friend had passed away in battle and he was upset because the sword that he made his friend broke and he's saying that he needs to know fear and to know battle to know how to weave steel to protect people and i was mm -hmm. like i love this i love this guy but one of the cool things that he can do in battle is actually create ladders for your party to use to access different areas, to climb up on rooftops, to gain vantage points for things. And like, it's really, really cool. So it really huh. opens up the battlefield. I, I just unlocked another class that I thought was pretty brilliant. So it's the merchant class. And he is a mm. very greedy person. So you'll hear what he's saying to people. And then you hear his internal dialogue to himself. And he's all about, let me just make as much money as possible, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of his abilities is that he's able to either aggravate, so like he pulls aggro of people, or he's able to persuade people to like turn coat, basically, right? To like change alliances um, mm -hmm. based off of his like bribing skills. So it's like super interesting to to do that. I don't know. It's It's a really cool class and there's all kinds of interesting class dynamics that are in there. And actually, one of my favorite classes that I'm surprised about because he doesn't really do much damage is the tactician. So Benedict is the advisor to the Lord, Lord Saranoa. And his main purpose in battle is to either, you know, buff people or like one of his great abilities is called now. And basically what it does is it puts you one of your people or one of your characters turns next in order. So you can just say like, okay, like this person just went and then now Benedict goes and he says now, and now that person's going to go again, right? So it's kind of cool. And you can kind of use that to create interesting situations in the battlefield. 
That's actually really cool. Yeah. Uh, and that merchant is different. Like, I'm used to the merchant tactics where it's more like a item user healer kind of person. So it's interesting, like, how the bribing works in the game. Yeah, the item user person, the one that can use, like, two items uh, at once is the apothecary, I believe. So, like, there's a lot of really cool classes. There's shamans. There's um, the acrobat who can actually put a decoy of themselves. It's a girl that was, she's an orphan that like fled to the circus, you know, that typical story, which is mm-hmm. kind of funny. Uh, there's like fire mages, there's ice, like there's sages. There's, it's really, really in depth. So it's how really many cool. people start out in your party in the beginning? Like, I, I mean, I get that you said it's like nine and 12 per battle. So but- it's seven to start. And then as the chapters progress, you start unlocking more characters. Okay. Because I, I know you said 30. And I was wondering, like, is that on top of maybe the 10 that you start with? Or is that including? Like, it's the including the seven. Yeah. Okay. That's still pretty good. I wonder if there's, like, special characters that are, like... So from what I've read uh, on the character list is that some of the characters you can't get on the first time. Like, it's gotcha. impossible to get enough points into any conviction to actually unlock them the first go through. But in mm. New Game Plus, you actually keep all the characters that you unlock, supposedly. And then you can continue with your convictions and, like, go through the story again, but maybe make different choices and then unlock those other characters that are, like, super high up. Interesting. Yeah. So it kind of makes but... you want to play through and go on the... the, uh, the other side branch right like the make the other choice and go visit the other areas yeah adding the new game plus to this kind of game makes it really different like it's honestly really cool i think it's a yeah really fresh way of doing that yeah definitely i feel like i'm going to be playing through this one at least twice at least damn yeah because there's so much I like eat, not just for the story, but for like the scenery. Like I want to go to the other city that I didn't go to in my first playthrough mm-hmm. just to see what would happen. Right. Or see that. make a different decision to see if like, oh, like, will this Lord still die regardless of what choice I made? Right. Like there's a lot of really interesting in-depth stuff like that that I want to see. So it's it's really cool. Huh. Super, super cool. But anyway. I think that's enough for Triangle Strategy because <laughs> it this game's great, and I can talk about it for hours. To be honest, like that's how good this thing is. Let's start talking about Elden Ring, the game that a lot of people are like swooning over. And so I'll, I'll start out with saying that Elden Ring really looks amazing, but in, at the same time, I feel like I'm kind of soulsed out, right? Like mm. it. it it's a little tough for me to like really dive 100% into a Souls game, but this is the first one that I've seen in a while that like I really, really want to play it. Play it. I want to try it out because it looks really cool. It looks like it's a true open world game in every sense of the like the name of it, right? And the the different classes that you can pick seem really interesting. It does seem still challenging like a Souls game, but a little easier and maybe more inviting than a Souls game. Like, I'm wondering if that is 100% the case. So why don't you let us know about your experience with Elden Ring? So I'm going to start off with saying, like, my experience with Souls games. 
I think I'm about halfway through the original Dark Souls, and then I got maybe four hours, five hours in the Bloodborne. So I've never been in the Souls game. I've never played to near completion in one. So I'm not a seasoned pro at these games. Mm. But I feel like just with years of playing games kind of similar to them, I kind of got good at the combat in these games. And when I first heard about Elden Ring, I honestly wasn't that interested in it because I was like, oh, this is going to be the same old. I'll play it for like a few hours and then I'll just get sick of it. And, you know, it ended up being where I was like, oh, I'm going to buy this because my friend's buying it. We're going to co-op and we're just going to make this like a fun experience. And I requested time off for it too. I took almost like six days off. That still is so amazing to me. I love that. I love that. And the, thing, that. the funny thing is, is like, honestly, like, I didn't think that I would like Elder Ring as much. So I was like, oh, in those days off, like, I'll just finish the, the New Horizon. Right. Because I, I was playing Forbidden West before Elden Ring. And right at the point where I got to in Forbidden West, I was actually starting to like that game. Because at first, and I mean, for the most part, it does feel like the first game. So when I got to that point, I was like, oh, this game's getting cool. And then Elder Ring comes out and I'm like, oh, this is, this is much better. But with Elden Ring, <clears throat> I started out as a class that when I play these games, I don't really play with magic. Uh, usually I focus on melee with maybe a healing spell and that's it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, before this, you know what? Actually, no. I played Demon Souls, the newer one, uh, quite a bit. Didn't beat it, but I'm pretty far into it. And it kind of made me interested in playing a class where I'm melee and magic. And so I did that in Elden Ring. I'm a confessor, and I kind of found someone's build because I was messing around at first. And I, I knew getting into this game, I wanted to have a weapon that wasn't a sword. And I found the scythe. And luckily, the scythe, the special one I found, uses faith. And that's what my class specializes in. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be like a holy reaper. Because, I mean, your starting outfit has like a black robe. So it just kind of worked. I'm sorry, a holy reaper? That sounds so badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I, that's what i wanted to do and i mean i was working it like i my staff had like holy damage and it was just it was fucking cool like i i really liked having the spells but at the same time i felt so weak mm. and i was like it's not like i was dying a lot honestly like i did a lot of just exploration and I think I got to level 40 before I fought the first, like, big boss. Holy shit. And luckily, I've heard other people usually are about that, too. So I don't feel like I just got distracted. But, I mean, I did get distracted. I, I ended up just fully exploring the whole first, like, continent, first area completely. Like, I was going to the catacombs, upgrading stuff, like... I was having a lot of fun, but I did feel limited because of my class. I couldn't equip heavy armor, so I was kind of stuck wearing the 
default armor for most of the game, or at least until recently. And I've just been using the scythe. I actually just uh, maxed it out uh, right before this recording. Um, So I'm actually really excited to see how much stronger it is. Mm. But once I beat the first uh, shard bearer, which, you know, in this game, um, Elden Ring is shattered and you got to beat the shard bearers and you want to like restore the order and blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's an interesting story that, you know, just like all Souls games, they don't read it off to you, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you have to find the lore. And it's interesting because coming into this game, I I knew it was going to be like that. And I was like, I don't know if it's going to hold me. But when I started reading item descriptions and I started like doing the quests in this game, which I'm going to get to in a minute, it made me really start falling in love with it. And this game does something that a lot of modern games don't do. This is more so going back to older games, like games from the early 90s or even late 80s. Like I'm looking at like wizardry or old school RPGs, right? Where it's a big open world and there's quests lying about, you know, there's, there's a story, but you're not getting the story told to you. Like you have to go and find the story. Like a lot of before Dragon Quest, before Final Fantasy, RPGs were very open-ended in a sense. Like it wasn't like a create your own adventure, but you know, there was a story, but you had to go and explore the world and find it. And I feel like this game is a love letter to that style. Uh, There's a few other things I feel like it's a love letter to as well, but I think, you know, yeah, this game's a Souls game, but when you look at the core of it, to me, it's what those old school RPGs that inspired all other RPGs, right? Because Wizardry and like Ultima kind of were the inspiration of RPGs. They, they were the first ones really. This game feels like a modern version of that. And granted, I, I didn't grow up with wizardry. I, I was a dragon quest, final fantasy person. So, I mean, I got used to the story being there kind of leading you in the right direction. But as I got older, I did play those old games. and I was like, wow, this is really cool. I just wish it was modern because sometimes these older games, it's very difficult to get sucked into it. Mm-hmm. Enter Elden Ring, and it's like, it's fascinating. Uh, there's times where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want, really want to keep playing. But then, you know, something interesting exists in this little area I'm exploring. And I'm like, oh my God, this is really cool. Like, I want to learn more about it. And then, you start learning about everything, like even the little statues that are littered around the, the the continent. And, you know, there's some spoiler stuff, but I'm not going to get into it just because it's actually really fun finding it out. And something that's interesting with Elden Ring is that you can't really get too much spoiled for you because there was a few things people had brought up when I was kind of like talking with people and i was like oh man now i know that happens but 
you know, that was 50 hours after I heard it. And when it came about, I'm like, why did I get mad about that? Like, that wasn't really a spoiler. Like, this game is such an interesting way of storytelling. And the quest lines that you do, you know, there's there's two big side quests that really give you an alternate ending. And I finished one of them. And it was hard, but it was really, really cool. And now I'm working on the other one. And it breathes life into the game, creates a backstory, and makes me more interested in this world. Every time I go to a new region, I'm like, I want to see everything. I want to I wanna know what's different in this corner of the this land than the other corner. Mm-hmm. And I still have that sense of exploration i uh i thought i was getting close to end game but i i kind of looked up what other people were saying like you know where they're at and i guess i'm only at mid game oh, shit. <laughs> and it's interesting because you know i look at the map and i'm like yeah i pretty much explored everything except for the northern area and it's kind of crazy that like there's a lot more than what you really see and you know i didn't realize like this game has an underground area too which it's pretty big i mean it's not like the full size of the overworld but it's it's pretty huge in its own sense and uh it's just crazy how expansive this game is and you know it doesn't you know, I went into this game thinking it's going to look like the new Demon Souls, like really like high fidelity, but it's not. I mean, this game looks like Dark Souls 3. Like it's nothing like earth shattering, but the way it's presented and the big landscapes, it it really does feel different and special. And I know everyone says this, but I mean, it's true. It really does feel like Breath of the Wild, but in a more traditional sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like Breath of the Wall still had your map markers. It still had that like overarching story. And it it did something in the open world like mechanic and tried to do something fresh. Whereas Elden Ring took what made open world RPGs in the early days a success and brought it back. Mm. It stripped away all this stuff that we got used to in the 2000s with open world games from like Assassin's Creed and you know GTA, all of those open world games and stripped it back to what gaming was like in the early days, right? But made it 3D. And that's something that I really love about this because I didn't realize when I was first playing this game and as soon as I got like further into it, I'm like, wow, like this feels like a love letter to that kind of stuff. And I mean, I know there's people going into like kind of the lore of it. When I saw George R. R. Martin, I'm like, oh God, it's going to be like <laughs> kind of like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. And I mean, he just did the mythos, right? The beliefs of the game. Like he didn't do the actual story. Okay. So, I mean, there's times where I'm like, oh, yeah, I can tell he he had some some speech in that part. Like, you can tell, like, certain areas, but it's it's a very dark story or dark world. And 
I noticed it at first with one of the characters. And as I started exploring more, I'm like, oh my god, this game really feels like it's inspired by it. But Berserk, uh, there's a character in there that basically is like Guts, big Claymore sword, you know, that the the tall, like bulky person, mm-hmm. like I mean, that's one of my favorite animes. So when I saw that character, I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. And I mean the sword is actually Guts's too. Like even the move on it is kind of like what he had in the manga. Oh, so that's cool. As I got further in this game, I'm like, oh my God, like this kind of reminds me of the world in that series too. Like, you know, the demons, you know, coming up, creating this whole issue, like that dark fantasy that we saw in that series is in this game. And I'm like, wow, like, it really feels like that. And it makes me really appreciate dark fantasy in a different way. Like I've always loved this style, but the way this game does it, it's just nice. It's like a clean package. And I can see why people might get overwhelmed by this game. And is this game going to convert people into souls games? It might, it might make it more presentable because it is open world and there can be ways to make things easier because of that. For me, I was always interested in those games and I knew I liked them and I knew that I could get good at them. I just never wanted to sit there and have the time. Mm. This game kind of changed that. For some reason, I got so sucked into this game that, you know, I love it. I want to go and play all the Souls games now. You know, like it's, Granted, I probably need a break after I beat this game, but it it's done something to me that I felt like I missed in games. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was playing Horizon, I mean, I play games every day. Like, it's just, that's what I do. I don't really care to watch TV. I don't really watch movies anymore unless it's like something I want to see or, you know, the wife wants to watch something, but I just play games. And I was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, like I'll play a game for like two hours. I'm like, okay, I got to get up. And then I'll get bored. And I'm like, okay, like I don't, I can't get sucked into a game. Or if I do, I just tunnel vision and I don't really pay attention. Mm -hmm. This game, I'm thinking about it, right? Like I'm at work and I'm like, man, I just want to go home and I want to explore. I want to (laughs) fight something. Like I want to, I want to do more. And as soon as I get home, I'm like, okay, I'm booting it up. Oh, I'm going to go to this area because I haven't been there yet. I want to I wanna find items. Like, it's, it's interesting because I haven't felt this way about a game in a long time. And, I mean, it's hard to say that I felt this way in other games because there's not many games like this, right, mm-hmm. where it's so open. I mean, I got this way about old RPGs, and, it, it, you know, it's that same kind of happiness. And... Will everyone feel this way? No. You know, it's just for me, it has captured me in such a way that I can't really describe, but it's it's awesome. You know, I definitely feel that the reviews were actually spot on on this. And I mean, yes, there were bugs and errors and, you know, on the release, like getting perfect scores, you know, performance should be held accountable in a game because they do for other games. Mm -hmm. But 
looking away from that, I mean, this game is awesome. And if someone is interested in this and doesn't mind the difficulty, like I say, it's worth a shot. You know, I mean, have a lot of time on your hands. I'm like 85 hours now. And I'm like, like I said, middle of the ground. Like there's still a whole area of the map I've never been to. That's and then there's little smaller areas that I haven't been to. Cause that's like end game, but it's like, this is cool. You know, and it, I'm starting to realize like, you know, just like breath of the wild, I don't have to go to all these places, you know, it, especially if it's stuff that might have things that are not for like my class or my build. It's like, why am I going there? Mm-hmm. But also I'm like, I just want to see everything. Like it's, even if it's the same stupid cave in a different area, I'm like, I kind of want to see what they did different. Or I want to see what kind of boss is waiting at the end for me. And I mean, the boss will be different. You know, you don't really see too many reskins of the same boss, which is kind of cool. Like some of the bigger bosses will look the same, but everything is different. And it's, it's really cool. You know, there's, it's weird how well the monsters fit into their environment. And that's something I feel like a lot of games just don't do right. Mm. And for a game that isn't trying to be, you know, groundbreaking or breaking the mold, you know, looking back and seeing how this game really is just taking what people loved in the past about early innovative games and bringing it into a modern light it's it's just fascinating what they did you know and i'm i'm curious to see what they do after this i mean i don't think that they're gonna do another open world souls game again because i bet you this took a lot of work yeah i can imagine i mean the amount of work or how it looks it looks like it took forever to make it yeah and i i mean if they did like if they did an open world bloodborne game like oh yeah i I'd be all over that because I just want to explore more of a setting like that. That'd be a really cool world. To, <laughs> that'd be awesome, actually. It's like, it makes me realize I'm like, if it's a linear game, like a Souls game, or if it's open world like Elden Ring, I'll enjoy it. You know, like, the things that do make this game that some people say easier, it's nothing really that changes the game that much, right? It's, you know, people say, oh, you use summons, that makes it easy. You know, you can do a jump attack, it makes things a little bit easier. But at the end of the day, you know, as long as you're having fun with it, right? Once once I reached a certain level, I was starting to fall even more in love with the game. Once I got more spells that really looked cool, when I got the armor that I really liked, like, it made me want to play even more. And it's crazy because there was a point where I'm like getting kind of sick of it because I felt like I wasn't hitting strong enough damage wise. I hated how I was the same outfit since the beginning. Mm -hmm. But once it changed, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to see more. I want to be more powerful. And it's it's still there. You know, I mean, I just recently I kind of jumped into one of those rune farming things and I did over level or power level a little bit. So, I mean, I am kind of powerful, but 
surprisingly, I'll still fight a boss, and it's not like I'm like two-shotting it. Like it still takes me a while to take a boss down, which is cool. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not really overleveled. Like it's still a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It it definitely feels different. And it's definitely going to prevent me from buying a lot of games for a while because I think I will play this for a while. And it sucks because, you know, February had some good games. March has a lot of interesting games coming out this month. Like, I I didn't think I'd be in the Elden Ring because I was like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, Stranger Paradise. Because I'm like, oh, it's going to be like Ninja Gaiden but Final Fantasy. Like, how badass is that going to be? And then... You know, I was thinking that some of the other games like uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, all this. I'm like, damn, March is a powerful month. But with Elden Ring, I'm like, I'm good for another month. You know, it it sucks because this game has captured me so much that I haven't been working on any of the projects I've been wanting to do. Like, <laughs> I was like, before Elden Ring, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting back into typing my stuff out. You know, I was thinking of different things for the podcast and like videos. And it's like, Dude, I'm like stuck. Yeah. I think I'm finally getting to a point where I'm like, okay, I need a little bit of a breather. But at the same time, like, I just got powerful enough to really explore this next area. Let's go. <laughs> you know, like, so I know I'm going to definitely, definitely keep going. And I think it's, I think it's a fun game. You know, it's, for people out there that want to play a Souls game, but they're afraid of the difficulty, I mean, to me, this could be one of the easiest Souls games. Like I said, I haven't played all of them. There's reasons why this would be easier, but it's still, at the end of the day, a Souls game. And it will be more difficult than, you know, your Devil May Cry or Nier Automata, like, it's still challenging, mm-hmm. but there's mechanics in place in the game that do make it simpler. And, you know, like all Souls games, you can cheese. It's it's a fun game. And if you want to get lost in a world that's challenging and frightening, this game does it. It really does. Well, I got a couple questions for you now about this. Oh game. yeah, sorry, no, I you're was good. freaking babbling. No, you're good. You're good. It just shows the passion of the, for these games. So these are two amazing titles that are out right now, which is insane because we usually don't get two really big heavy hitters back to back like that. And yeah. needless to say, we have three. I mean, we haven't even talked about Horizon, but that's an amazing title on its own there too. And they all came mm-hmm. out around the same time. But coming back to Elden Ring, I do have a question for you about. So you mentioned that you had leveled up to around level 40 before even kind of reaching the first boss, right? So you did a lot of exploration Mm -hmm. beforehand and kind of ventured around the map. Now, when you started playing through more of the quests and the stories, did you end up having to go back to the same areas that you had already explored because you were just kind of venturing out? Or was it kind of like locked, like, or did, you know, like, were the, all the bosses, are all the bosses on the map available to you right away? Or do they unlock in sequential order? You can go anywhere you want in that map. You don't have, nothing is locked. Well, so the last area, uh, it's like a plateau, right? I mean, this isn't the last area. It's the spot leading up to it, right? Mm-hmm. And 
there's a lift that you have to take to get up there and you need like two halves of medallion, which are kind of difficult to get for if you're just starting out. But there's an alternate path that leads up there, but it's a windy mountainous road with like two dragons on it and it's it's frightening. So I mean, if you're able to challenge that, then yes, you can go to most things in this game as soon as you start out. Are you gonna last? No. But you know, nothing really gets locked out. You know, if you're a person trying to get trophies, yes, there are one or two things that could be missable because of a quest line like a boss. But other than that, like you don't lock yourself out of things. You know, there's there's things you can find for a boss that like an item from someone that'll make it easier. And it's it's crazy. Hmm. You know, I after being like once I reached a higher level, I went back to the starting area and I was just cleaning the map of all those bosses that were like killing me. Right. You know, but you know, you can, nothing really gets locked. You don't have to like beat something to go to something unless it's like map progression, you know, like the game is open world. There are legacy dungeons like the castle. So, I mean, yeah, you have to fight one person and get to the next, but people have also found ways to get around a boss to go to the main boss of an area, which is crazy to think about that's pretty cool so you mentioned that you are doing kind of like a faith build right on your side mm-hmm. so i have seen some footage uh just a, like one video honestly on it where someone was doing like a bleed build and they ended up mm-hmm. having like wolverine claws that just yep. shredded the boss that they were fighting like they were having such a hard time doing it with the sword then they popped on these claws and it stacked like bleed like insane where out of nowhere, like the bleed damage would pop and it would do like 800 damage when each one of their hits is only doing like 16. So like, it's pretty crazy. So like how dynamic are the builds in Elden Ring? Like, is there like other things besides faith and bleeding? I don't know about the other builds. Oh yeah. Um, You know, I mean, you're always going to have your melee. You're always going to have your magic and faith is a little different than your typical like sorcerer, right? Like sorcerer, they get more like, a, a wider range of spells, whereas like faith and holy builds, like I I use lightning, holy, and I have this thing called dark flame, which is like a, the evil version of an attack. Mm-hmm. But you know, like how you're saying with the Wolverine, I mean, there's there's all different kind of weapon types, right? There's hammers, fists, everything, and I mean, there's even some kind of special random weapons that make no sense, but. Bleed builds are one of the more powerful ones. I think a lot of people are realizing that's like one of the best debuffs that you can put on someone. So like highest uh, DPS. Yeah, because especially with the claws, like I got them and I tried it out and I do like them. Uh, it's with them because they strike so fast, you can really build up the bleed really fast Mm -hmm. and you know for later bosses that's gonna do a big chunk like i mean like you said like you can be smacking them for like you know 40 damage and then it the bleed hits and it's like here's five thousand damage you know like it's it it bases off of their like their health Mm, right okay um so later on it ends up being like 
really, really useful. And I mean, other things too. Um, like I went into a boss fight and people were saying, oh, it's good. The Procum was something. And he's weak to, it's called Scarlet Rot. And basically it's kind of the same thing as a poison. It's just, it ticks their health off a lot faster. And it does it to you too. But uh, I got this dragon head that I put, it's it's a dragon spell because you can get dragon spells in this game. Oh, cool. And it breathes out this, it's called like rotten breath. And it just spews this scarlet rod on the boss. And once it hit, it just kept ticking him slowly over time. So all I had to do was really run around the map and kind of like dodge his attacks. And this thing was just ticking health off of him mm. the whole time. And this dude, you have to imagine, you know, they have over like 50,000 HP or something really high. Mm-hmm. And this thing is just burning it down. But yeah, they're, they're samurai class because, you know, there's the katana in here. And, yeah. um, That's the one you know, there's, <laughs> there's different builds. And I mean, as time goes on, people are going to find new ones. Um, I know with magic, it's easy to get kind of sucked into a certain path. Um, Like I know with my faith build, like you can just focus on lightning and fire or because you can't use all your spells at once. You kind of have to allocate slots for it. Mm. Uh, And then certain ones like dragon spells need you to raise three different skills. Whereas like holy and lightning, it's just two. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can go, you know, with weapons. It's interesting because like my scythe, it's, it's holy. I can't, but it has bleed effect on it because it's a scythe. Mm-hmm. So not only am I doing bleeding damage, but with the holy, I can do even more damage to an enemy that's weak to that. Got it. And it's interesting because I have had that where I notice both and I forget sometimes that my scythe has the bleed option on it. And I'm like, why is, why am I like really destroying this boss? And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. Like it's, it's crazy. You know, you don't really think about you doing those kind of stats ailments on an enemy and seeing the results. Cause I feel like most games you do that, you don't really see much of a change, but bleeding, poison all of that in this game it it can really mess you up Mm. and same with bosses like it's it's cool and that's the other thing i like about this game is that it's brand new and everyone's discovering kind of the same stuff you are at the same time you know there's new weapons people are finding every day so far that i'm like oh my god i want to find it you know and there's new builds popping out i mean the game hasn't been out long enough for people have actually like had time to really play a build and see what they like. But like people are getting there, you know, like with samurai, most people will do like a bleed build. They'll get that katana, go full in on bleed. And it's, it's crazy what you can do. Like it really does make you really powerful. Nice. Yeah. Oh boy. So yeah, these are two amazing juggernaut games that have come out, like we said, and we've both been playing the hell out of them and enjoying them tremendously. And if either one of these games you were on the fence about, like you really can't go wrong with which one you pick. 
Because while they both are completely different um, as far as what style of gameplay it is, right? One is a tactics JRPG and the other one is like Souls game, man. It's hard. It's slash. It's hack. It's all that fun stuff. Uh, but they are both incredibly enjoyable and definitely worth the money because you will, if you're trying to do like, you know, dollar per hour kind of cost here, both these games, you're going to get your money's worth 100%. Not just oh, yeah. with the amount of time you're going to put in, but the just the sense of enjoyment that you're going to get from playing these titles. And I think you mentioned it right there at the end too, what's so great about these two games and us playing them right now is the fact that you're we are learning as people are learning about it, right? Like we're it's like right on the precipice, right on the cusp of everyone finding out stuff like this. Like I did, I, I looked in to see like how long is triangle strategy, like where's like how many chapters is it and all that fun stuff. And on one of the walkthroughs, like they only had four chapters listed. And this was like a pretty big website out there that like you know it's IGN they only had four chapters I'm like there's way more than four chapters so like they're actually still writing it every day they're adding to it right for triangle strategy I'm like that's amazing mm -hmm. that you know as I'm playing through this like they're still trying to update this walkthrough it's not fully found out or fleshed out same thing with Elden Ring so right now is such a great and exciting time to play these titles for just the sense of exploration and if you do pick them up at a later date then, you know, there's still going to be so much fun, but I would still challenge you if you are picking these games up at a later date to kind of avoid as much information as possible and we'll go into it with fresh eyes and a fresh mind and just try and just enjoy the exploration of the title itself because these games have so much to offer. So much. But yeah. I think that's going to do it for us this week. I hope you guys really enjoyed our dives into these two titles that have been kind of uh, taking over our lives a little bit, I would say. <laughs> we've, been, oh, yeah. we've been very immersed in these two titles. So we hope that you guys enjoyed this little conversation. And we will talk to you all next week as we dive further into the world of games. All right. Bye. Bye.